It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hello. Hi, kiddo. Hey, kiddo. How you doing? Good, Good to see Love you me. again. Good to see you again. Thanks for joining. Oh, I have those. You do? Yeah. Well, I have them in red, navy, and white. Oh, my God. You know what would be a wonderful thing to see is your closet. Would it, would it, would it thrill me? It would. It would absolutely I bet it would just, yeah. I bet it would give me like the all overs. It's kind of crazy right now. I just finished production, so there's stuff all over the place. You know what happened? I have a, you know, I live here in LA and in New York, but I have a condo here that is specifically for <laughs> my clothes. Really? Yeah. It's a whole condo. Because yeah. I was going to ask you, how many square feet is your closet? Uh, I have no idea. It, well, I, I, it's I, an apartment. Yeah, yeah, it's an apartment. But I have stuff at the house too. Um, I have big, uh, these big plastic crates with all the gowns in them. And then in New York, I have a bunch of stuff. So do you keep the gowns? I, yeah, it depends on what is being is usable now, what's already been used. Do you know what you've used for everything? Yeah. Is it all archived mm -hmm. and all that? Yeah, yeah. Of course. And actually, some of the stuff, you know, there's a, um, the Statue of Limitations is run out on some of the gowns that I wore on the VH1 show. I had a talk show yeah. 20 years ago yeah. on VH1. So some of those gowns, which I still have, I can wear them Those are again. now considered vintage. <laughs> vintage. Well, but no, but, you know, the kids who watch our show, they've never seen those before. Right, right, those right. before social media, so I can wear them again. You know, after Jean-Franco Ferre used to be my favorite designer. Mm, I loved Loved, loved him. Loved. The white crisp shirt and that, that pant. The pant. Oh, yeah. so gorgeous. So architectural yeah. he was. Yeah. And after he passed, I mean, I still have to this day. So I still have every single thing he ever designed for me personally and every single thing I bought off the rack. I never have gotten rid of because nobody to this day has made a better white shirt. Wouldn't no, you agree? You're absolutely right. But what do you do with your old stuff? I don't, I just keep everything. I don't. Well, I have a whole place in Chicago where it's like archived and packaged and you could pull it up if I needed it. I, I'm yeah. never going to do that, but I yeah. certainly have it because some things I just, yeah. that was the hardest thing for me in the move from Chicago to here right. was the clothes. Right. I could get rid of furniture, antiques, art, da 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 Apartment, forget about it, never have to see it again. Yeah. But <laughs> holding on to a Franco Ferre skirt, honey, got to have it. <laughs> 
I was, you know, I would see you in white turtlenecks, and I always wondered how are you able to get a white turtleneck over a face that's been made up? Well, so you put the little netting thing over and then pull it over. Uh huh. That's <laughs> you put the little netting, you know, the black girl bonnet over your head, over your face. Do rag, face rag. Face rag. Yeah. Face rag. So I have a funny story to tell you. I told when I was telling Gail I was going to be uh, interviewing you for podcasts for Super Soul. She was on a plane with you. Do you remember mm -hmm. that she was? You all were on an early morning flight someplace, and she said she was looking like Slumpa and Dinka, like <laughs> trying to hide. Then she saw you get on the plane, and she went, "Oh no, I'm going to have to pass him oh, to get out." And so she said she came up to you, first of all, to marvel at how great you looked at seven in the morning. She mm. goes, "I don't know how." you're doing this at seven in the morning and to apologize for looking the way she did. Do you uh, remember this moment? I do, I do. You know what, the easiest thing for a man to do is to throw on a pair, a, a suit and a jacket and a shirt. You're done. You're done. Yeah, and it's the easiest thing in the world to do, you know? And you look great. I always tell the kids uh, uh, I'm at work with, I say, if you wore a suit, you'd make more money. Really? Mm -hmm. And why do you say that? Uh, because it changes the way you uh, move around and navigate this earth and how people interpret who you are. Exactly. Stedman was leaving home last night and was going back to Chicago and he said, I'm going to put my uh, suit pant on, my suit jacket. And I go, why are you doing that? Why were you just, he goes, people treat you different. They do. They treat you different mm -hmm. when you're wearing a suit jacket. He goes, they just treat you different. And it's just funny, you know, you're on the planet long enough <clears throat> and you understand certain, I wouldn't call them tricks, but certain ways to navigate that help that you just understand how things work. You know how things work. You think, and, and you go, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work it. Can you believe the level? You know, it's like back in the 90s. I don't remember when. When, when, when Supermodel, when was that out? 90? 90... 92. 92. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you had that whole era, and now something happened in the zeitgeist mm -hmm. that made your way of being and branding and identifying made it a cultural phenom at mm -hmm. this particular time, don't you think? Oh, yeah. That you've yeah. become this symbol that inspires not just, you know, young people, but so many people in the midst of their own questioning, their mm. own pain, their own identity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you must hear from so many. Is that correct? I hear from a lot of uh, young people, from everyone, everyone. It's not just gay or... Uh, you know, drag queen or any of that. It's just, it's people who, who not only dance to the beat of a different drummer, but who are super sensitive and sometimes too sensitive for this world. Yeah. You know, because their hearts are so, are so open and they've been beaten down so much that they, they see in, in what we're doing uh, a place where it could be celebrated. Is there one particular story or person that stands out to you? No, no. You know, it's, the interesting thing is the stories are all the same. They're really all the same. And, you know, they're the story of the hero with a thousand faces who yeah. doesn't, um, who doesn't, isn't recognized by the world and they're not recognizing themselves. Well, you know, it is interesting. I knew that you were my kind of human when I first heard you say that we're all born naked and the rest is just drag. Because yeah. I, I have a different way of, of, of saying that, but I mean the same thing, that we're all in these kind of body suits mm -hmm. and you come up with these definitions and these, these uh, ideas about 
who you really are. Mm -hmm. But we all are, my favorite uh, quote, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who said, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And I, I, I got that as a kid. You know, I, 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 I was a young kid and I thought, is everybody getting that this is all kind of an illusion? And I couldn't get anybody to corroborate with me until... Do you remember the first time you thought that, though? I, I, I remember when <laughs> my parents were in the living room going crazy, you know, beating each other up. Uh, I knew, this, is, this can't be right. But, you know, uh, when I was about 11 years old on PBS, yeah. uh, I found my tribe in Monty Python's Flying Circus. I thought, really? okay, they get it. Okay, they're irreverent. They're not taking anything seriously, right. and they're having fun. That's what this is all about. So um, uh, that's when I, I got it very early. My sisters also, you know, we, we laughed. That was our, our sanctuary, was a place where we could, uh, you know, find some peace. So what would you say defines you? Uh, <laughs> today, this moment, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't do that. I, uh, the moon, the stars the sun, uh, you know, I, I'm everything and nothing at all. Oh, I love that. So you don't put yourself in any kind of box, no. any kind of label, any kind of... None of them felt comfortable. None, none of them felt that that was the right fit. I, you know, like... Because why do you have to define you yourself? Don't to. You don't have to. No, there's no need. That's why, you know, um, and people ask me, do I believe in God? And I say, sure, sure. Um, what is it? I don't know what it is. There's something there. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. I don't really care what it is. I know it's there, though. You know. Do you feel connected to it? Absolutely. To... Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There, there are moments um, when it's really strong, and there are moments when, uh, in my life, when it's been like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you feel out of sync. Yeah. But then, you know, I, I was driving to this. Um, I had this pitch meeting, and I was driving down the street, and I. My car, it was my trainer, who I'd seen earlier today, was just walking up the street. I was like, of all the people, I could but encounter. He is. Yeah. yeah. And it's those, those coincidences that make, remind me that. Um, those coincidences that are not. That are not. Yeah. Are, are just, just to remind me that you're absolutely where you're supposed to be right now. When did you first know that going drag was a, was a way of expressing and a way of being that? would be meaningful to you and to other people? You know, uh, I am an opportunist <laughs> yeah. and a show-off. And I knew, that, I knew that show business would be my path. I didn't know how it would be, how it would work. But I, I didn't define myself, so I keep an open mind. Then I was in punk rock bands in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, drag sort of, sort of happened to mm. us. It was never about uh, sexual identity or anything. It was really, it was punk rock. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I did it for the band, the reaction I got from people was, whoa, whoa. And this was not like glamour drag. This was what we called... Um, uh, this was not Sachet Sante? No, 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 no. <laughs> this was what we call gender F-word drag, which was combat boots and smeared lipstick and ah, uh, uh -huh. you know, it was a social comment. You know, this is the Reagan 80s and uh, we're just making a social comment. But I, I knew that the, I had power in it because of the reaction I got from people. The same uh, way I can adjust how people interpret me in a suit, 
I can adjust how people interpret me in drag because it suits drag too. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, that's when I, I understood. Hmm, uh, I could do something with this. Well, but for you, going drag really applies to all of us. It's whatever we put on after we get out of the shower, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, right. that's exactly right. And why not make it work for you? Why not make, uh, if you have the power to control how people see you and interpret you, why not use it? How do you flow between one and the other? Uh, it, this is very easy. Are you getting paid or are you not getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> well now, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. I, and I've told people before, if I never did drag again, I'd be, okay, fine. So that she, drag. Okay, you know. that drag. So yeah. she is not an alter ego, or she is? No, nothing, no. It's just getting paid, not getting and paid. And again, back with, with the identity, I don't, I, I'm everything and nothing at all. Everything and nothing at all. Okay, tell me what getting that Emmy meant to you. Well, it, well, first of all, I've always, in this business, I've always worked outside. I've been a fringe artist. I've always yes. been outside the system. So when the system comes and says, hey, um, we're digging what you're doing, uh, that was great because of all the people I work with. For me, as a, a, a solo contract player, uh, <laughs> you know, um, what the system thought of me was not really that important to me, you know, because it couldn't be, because having worked outside the system for so long, if that was part of what I needed, I wouldn't have survived, because they were not giving it to, they weren't giving it to me. Right. So, um, uh, uh, so that wasn't part of what I was planning on. But because I work with a lot of people who work very hard within the system, it meant a lot. Yeah, but what you started out to get, I'd read this, tell me if it's true, you'd started out just to get people to say, RuPaul, I love you. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. You were looking for, I love you. Yeah. yeah. And the Emmy is in many ways a big, oh, I love you. It is, definitely. But you know, I had passed the uh, RuPaul, I love you bit after uh, many years of therapy and many years in this business. Why you know? was that your particular goal? Well, that was the, that was the goal of a very young person who yeah. needed that and who didn't know exactly what it was that I really needed. That because was, eventually you learned that all the I love you's in the world don't fill whatever it is you're trying to fill. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's where all roads lead yes. to that place. Yes. You know, and so when I made when I made that declaration, that was I was still in a place where I didn't know yet. Yeah. You know. So you had to figure it out how? Well, you figure it out by hitting your head up against the wall really, really hard. And you're thinking, um, uh, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you really do find a solution. I realized early on I was a seeker. So I continued mm -hmm. to seek. And I knew that the only place I could find that, that would feel that God-sized hole was with me. And I would read, too, that your quest for fame was to fill that emptiness inside, that void. And the void came from? The void came from knowing that there was something more. You know, I, I talked earlier about wanting to find my tribe, wanting to find other people who, who I could say, did you see that? Did you feel that? Mm -hmm. Most people are really not there. Disconnected. So disconnected. I say it's the, the people are the living, walking dead every day. Yeah, I was, I was at a stoplight yesterday and a woman was walking down the street 
not looking at a phone. She was just contemplating her life, just walking. And I, I wanted to roll the window and I said, hey, lady, I love you. <laughs> You're here. You know, because you don't see that anymore. No. Nope. Everybody's doing this. On their phone. Yeah. It's crazy. So, uh, you know, um, I was looking for, for a connection. And, and that's, uh, that's what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned therapy. Years of therapy to get there? Years of therapy to get there. But, you know, I'm from San Diego. So I, and I grew up in the 70s with the whole self-help thing. So I read... Even as a teenager, I was reading all those self-help books. I'm okay, you're okay, you know, uh, uh, yeah. all of them. And I, and you know, I think it's a California thing too. But uh, you know, I was always a seeker. So, um, well, yeah. you do talk and write a lot about your spiritual awareness. Where, where did that come from? Did you did you have a moment of awakening? Or well, you know, my mother was very religious, but she was not into organized religion. She didn't mm -hmm. go to church. She could quote the Bible, but. You know, it's like uh, it's like being a fish and and wondering if water really exists. You know, um, I didn't have to become a, having a spiritual awakening. I am a, I'm spiritual. Spiritual being. I'm a spiritual being. It just I can feel it. Having a human experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you knew that as a kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised when people don't know it. I'm surprised when they're oh, no. so disconnected that they don't realize. Oh. There's really just one of us here. Oh, I'm not surprised because the level, I, I think that this, what I've concluded is that this whole human plane is dense. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a thickness. Yeah. There's a thickness to the air that we breathe. There's a thick, there, there's a density mm -hmm. that people can't seem to break through. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing that often on your show, you seem to be giving, you know, spiritual advice. Really? Yeah. 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 These kids, you know, we set up a situation on this competition reality show where we challenge them to uh, go beyond their own limited perception of themselves. And these are all... And that is the greatest spiritual teaching there is, Absolutely. Actually. Yeah. And these are all the things that in my career I've been able to do. They look up to me because I've been doing this for a long time. So we put them through these challenges and, uh, and it really, uh, the real challenge is for them to be willing to die and become reborn. Through these challenges, a lot of times one kid, uh, we had a comedy challenge, and, and she's like, um, well, uh, I'm not funny. I'm not a comedy queen. I says, listen, what you do with your makeup, what you do when you're lip syncing, apply that to comedy. You got it. She got out there, funny, funny, funny. And, you know, that is true for everyone. Like I said, there's only one of us here on this planet. We are so, con we are connected. We're just one thing. So if you can apply what you know really well in another area to this area, which you think you may not know, um, you've got something. Yeah. I think I heard you on some show talking about how we're ultimately expressing as God. So that's the ultimately, that we're like God in drag. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not really rocket science. But, but, but people, but people, I don't know if you're ready to yeah. hear that. And listen, I didn't come up with any of this stuff. This yeah. is what I've learned to navigate and maintain uh, an equilibrium on this dense yeah. uh, plane, you know. Um, I saw that kid, um, the Hollywood medium. And yeah. you know that uh, we live in a lower frequency. Yeah. The spirit world is a hybrid, I've, and I've, the mediums can, you know, go in between. Yeah. And it's just an interesting concept to, um, you were talking about earlier, that density. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting concept to uh, sort, of, sort of break some of that up and to be a force 
on this planet to uh, to open that up. And I and I think we try to we try to do that with our show. And uh, but I see you doing it in your life too because you feel like such a joyful human being. Joy is a high frequency. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about being positive, and you have spoken about how just being negative is actually lazy. Yeah. And positivity, as you know, too, is a higher frequency. Yeah. It's reaching for the higher ground mm-hmm. all the time. Are you always in the joy space? No. No. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm night and day, black and white. Do you have to work at it? Absolutely. Every day. I meditate. I stretch. I go to the gym. I, I have to, you know, when, when I'm saying those things out loud on the show, mm-hmm. I'm actually saying them to myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and whenever I'm telling anyone, hey, kiddo, uh, there's a scene in um, Witches of Eastwick where one of the characters falls off the banister yeah. and they say to her, Jane, laugh, laugh, Jane, laugh. And she, <laughs> she levitates off the ground. So I always try to remind people to, to she doesn't hit the ground. She falls yeah. and she doesn't hit the ground. She levitates because of the laughter, which I think is the most powerful spell you can cast. I know one of the things that your show does is champions uh, freedom of not just expression, freedom of lifestyle, just plain old freedom. What do you think is a new way that people on both sides of our current divide in our country can understand each other and see themselves in each other? How can we use what you're doing to help us see each other differently? Because I think that's one of the things that you've done with the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, I think the first you start with realizing that our biggest misconception is thinking that we're separate from one another. I know. You know, I think I know you keep you keep saying that we're all just one. I know what you mean by that, but I don't think people understand that at all. And I think you know, in that last breath, I've talked to people who had near death. I think in that last breath, that's going to be the biggest damn surprise to everybody that all this time. You were fighting against, pushing against, da 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 da, and you're pushing against your own self. You didn't even see yourself as one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. It would be in the last breath, but child, you better get in now. <laughs> child, you better get in now, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what do you think we could do? What? What? How do we begin to see each other as? You know, it's first, it starts here. It starts here. You know, when, when I was in 10th grade, my 10th grade teacher told me, he said, uh, RuPaul, don't take life too effing seriously. And I didn't get it then. I got it, I got it later. I did not get it then. But um, I learned to first laugh. Don't take everything so seriously. And then um, be kind. Be kind. Because, because there's only one of us here, uh, when you are dissing someone else, you're actually dissing yourself. And you've got to re- realize that that has an effect on you. Everything that you put of course out it comes is. back to you. Yeah. I mean, this is... This well, is that's like, my law. That's my religion. That's it That right what you're there. putting out is coming back. That's what it I is. I live by that. And, you know, you know, it seems so simplistic, but it's... Listen, a, a child cannot... Children do understand mm-hmm. it. They do. Yeah. Actually, more so than... People so, who are all sort of uh, stuck in their own ways of being. And, you know, I didn't come up with any of this stuff. This is not, this is what I've learned to maintain on this But planet. I think people hear it differently coming from you. Mm. I think you saying it uh, reaches an audience that might not hear it mm. from someone else, another kind of philosopher. They're not reading, you know, Emerson mm-hmm. or, you know, sure. some of the others. 
Why do you think drag is resonating so deeply with people, particularly at this moment in our culture? You know, there's a new breed of young people out there. There's a new voice. Uh, we do a convention called DragCon uh, here in LA and in New York. And the kids who come, they don't identify as gay or straight. They are smart and they are looking for a voice, almost a, like almost a new belief system that yeah. transcends the 20th century that is completely of the 21st century. So I think that they found our show with all these different platforms that you can watch television mm -hmm. on your phone and all these places. YouTube, yeah. YouTube, They're watching YouTube. Around, around the world they watch it on our show on Netflix and, and stuff like that. Here, obviously, it's on uh, terrestrial television, but uh, I think our show speaks to that forward-thinking voice, that emerging voice of young people who are um, looking for something. It's almost like a, a religion or a way of life. They see the kids on our show uh, overcome not only their personal adversities, but the challenges with the other kids on the show. And they realize, I can do that. Or they identify with the other kids on the show. A lot of times I'll be, uh, I go uh, walk around the workroom with, uh, and I, I ask the kids what they're doing uh, in this challenge. And I will, I'll break it down and say, you know what, listen, um, I do the same thing. What you're doing, like one kid was, was anxious, she was, she was anxious, you know. I said, you're addicted to the anxiousness. You've got this. This challenge, you got this. You are addicted to being anxious. Now, just, you know, ruminate on that for a minute. She came back later and said, that's it. That's I'm addicted it. to the anxiousness. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to be late to places, and I realized that I was addicted to the, um, the, the rush of going, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, boy, oh, shoot, oh, shoot. Yeah. When I let go of that addiction, I'll arrive 10 minutes early just to let bitches know who they working with. <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll arrive sometimes 15 minutes early. Wow. Yeah, like, because Anna Winter, I think that she does that. She'll, she'll call a meeting for noon and she'll be there Waiting. At 11.45. Oh my gosh, and everybody's like, thrown. I love that. Thrown, honey. <laughs> Who are you when you're at your best? Oh, a sweetie pie, uh, kind, forgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I don't know, you drive around here at traffic in LA. It brings out my, the worst in me. And when I can drive down Santa Monica Boulevard and I'm loving, that's when I'm at my best. <laughs> really? Yeah, because you know, I'm paying attention to everything. I'm looking at what people are doing. I'm looking at the woman crossing. I, I'm, just that, I'm just that person. You're that person. I'm aware. And so when I see everyone, um, you know, they're braiding each other's hair and doing their taxes behind the wheel, go, careening down the street and they're, you know, barbecuing. Can you believe the people who are on their phones texting on the, still? It's beyond. On the freeway. I can't get over. That's scary. What makes you think that you can do that? Yeah. That's an interesting question because there's a part of the brain that we need to address. And talk about this new emerging voice in the 21st century. We have to speak to that other side of the brain. The, the brain that says, you know, you still see people smoking cigarettes today. And you go, you know, we've been through this, right? You right. know what this is. Yeah. But what part of the brain says, yeah, go on, do it. We have to address that. We don't address that in our culture. 
And I think that is the next level of, of, next, of our evolution, is understanding who we really are and being able to see. You know, I, I meant earlier, mentioned, I, taught, I said, I'm night, I'm day, I'm black, I'm white, I'm male, female. Seeing both sides of yourself, or all the sides of yourself, I'm sure there may be more shades, is the next level. What allowed you to uh, actually move past anybody's definition, expectation, past everybody's idea of who you should be, mm -hmm. and carve out a new path? I, I think it's, first of all, I think it's who I am, but also my mother was very, very... Uh, rebellious. She was the kind of person who said, you know, unless they pay your bills, you pay them bees, no mind. And I, and I believe that. And um, I'm a, I was a sweet, sensitive kid, so people would hurt my feelings. But you live on the planet long enough, you realize, baby, that had nothing to do with you. Right. That was, that's not yours. It's not even yours. That's what Maya Angelou used to say to me. Baby, you're not even in it. Mm -mm. You're not even in it. When right. they wrote the story, when they started the rumor, you it wasn't even about you. Mm -mm. Yeah. No, and that's that's. That takes some time to get to it learn. It takes though. some time. You yes. have to be here long enough to be able to get that. But if you're if you're smart, you you see the patterns. I love one of my. I love watching Murder She Wrote. Yes, I heard that you go to sleep watching Angela Lansbury. Yes, she's brilliant. But watching her, this character, uh, you know, uh, deduce what really went down. She puts all the pieces together. And in, in life, you have to do that, you, especially if you want to protect your heart. If you want to navigate this life, you have to be able to see, like we talked about the different levels of consciousness, the lower yeah. frequency, high frequency. You've got to be able to um, move freely um, in all those frequencies. Do you think we're becoming a more accepting society, even where we are in this culture? I think some are. I some have a are. lot of hope with young people. I'm surprised um, people my age, older than me, who have reverted back to an old way of thinking, of like thinking that we could go back to, you know, Jim Crow or, you know, some of the things that people, that come out of people's mouths. I think, what is wrong with you? Weren't you there when we did that We've already? We've already done that. Yeah. Why? We've already shown that does not work. Yeah, that doesn't work. And, and, and not only does it not work, it, it, it's... What's really underneath the hood of that is yeah. your own self-loathing. Yeah. That's what that's about. Well, it's just that dense thing I was talking about. That's yeah. low-frequency people. That's, that's a really low vibration, really low. But what have you learned about how we define ourselves through watching and performing drag? Has, yeah, I bet you've learned a lot. I have learned a lot. You know, I, I, first, it just reiterates my initial uh, statement, which is you're born naked and the rest is drag. It, it, what it teaches people is, is that none of this, every, all things are temporary. Everything's mm -hmm. temporary. Just clothes, mm -hmm. it's some paint, powder. Mm -hmm. You know, this body even is temporary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I'm going to take mm -hmm. care of it as yeah. much as I can. But... Uh, that's what it teaches. Mm -hmm. And also it teaches, um, you know what's funny is to see a straight man in drag. And on, on our show, we do it, we, <laughs> we have this thing where we have the girls put guys in drag. And what emerges is really phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's like watching, you know, you never know if someone's gonna be a fun drunk or a, a mean drunk. Yeah. Or it, famous the same way. You know if someone's gonna be, and when they get famous, are they gonna be a mean famous or a fun famous? Drag is the same way. It really, do, it doesn't, 
hide who you are, drag actually reveals who I you are. I was going to say that because that's exactly what fame does, you know. Yes. Yeah. If, if, yeah. You're, if you're a jerk before you get famous, you right. just are a bigger, more intensified, mm -hmm. under a microscope jerk. Mm -hmm. And if you're kind, that, or gener that's what also shows up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you get to, um, you know, drag is all about reinvention. Do you get to still experience different aspects of yourself? I, when, you when, know, when you when you when you when you dress when I'm up doing in drag, yeah. Um, uh, I do with the kids on our show. You know, I get to re-experience some of the frustrations that I had through them trying to make it through the challenges. It reminds me. It awakens what it was like for me. And then I get to go ahead and tell them, "Hey, kiddo, this is what you're really going through." So uh, I get to I get to experience it through them. Yeah. But it doesn't reveal new facets of your personality. Uh, not really. New facets. You know, no matter what gown you're wearing, no, no, there's no. no makeup, no gown, no dress, no nothing. No <laughs> nothing that you could do it that would reveal another part of yourself. I don't think so. I've been doing it for so long. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, you know, I, I, I think every day I'm on this planet. Um, uh, you know, it's not like time has, is real. It's like everything is happening at once, right now. It doesn't feel like, so whatever I may have been frustrated with um, 20 years ago is still there. And it'll go, hey, Rue, hey, <laughs> you know? And I'll go, thanks for sharing, but um, yeah. we're not doing that right now. Yeah. You know? What do you think drag can teach regular folks about self-expression? Well, uh, I think it could teach everyday people about colors and tones and different levels of consciousness of how you see yourself. I think it's important, I, I know for me to, when I meditate, I can, I go outside of my body and I see, oh look, that's me right there. Mm. You know? and actually, even when I do drag, I'll see a picture and go, is that me? <laughs> that's crazy. Oh my gosh, you still really? Yes, yes. To this day, and I'll go. That's amazing. And what's even funny is when I um, when I have the makeup put on, uh, I'll see it and I'll go, oh great. But when I see it on TV, I go, oh, I see what you did. I see how you match that with that. You know, it's that's another level of oh, uh, you know. So I think for everyday people, drag can help you understand many different levels of what you are and what this body is and how amazing. It is to have a human body. I do think that too. And what you could do with I it. I do still marvel at it. I still marvel at how amazing it is to have a human body. It is amazing. Yeah. And it's so fragile. It's so fragile and that we're still here. Yeah. You know? You hear things all the time. I heard something uh, today of a friend that had surgery, da 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 da. And you think, oh my goodness, I want to take care of it. I want to celebrate it. I want to dance. There's no place to dance. I, you know what I want to do? What? I want to open a daytime disco in Palm Springs, one of those old, huge banks. It would be open like from 11 o'clock in the, in the morning to, say, uh, 9. I can't, stay, I can't stay up past 9 o'clock. <laughs> uh, That's surprising. Yeah. I used to we used to be the opposite. So you could come during the day at lunchtime, dance for 30 minutes to Cool in the Gang, um, Earth, Wind and Fire, Stevie Wonder. I want to dance. I want to, like when you see kids yeah. and they're like three and four and they're just 
bouncing off the wall. I was like, look yeah. what I can do! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to relive that. I want to do that. And uh, I want, I'd like to I do that. I think you're right. There's not enough dancing in the not world. Not enough dancing. What's the key to perfectly executed drag? It's a sense of humor. It's as simple as that. You don't, you don't, like I said, there are different styles, different genres. I started with gender F word drag, and then I, I did my soul train dancer look, which yeah. I loved, you know. And, um, and then I, I landed on Glamazon because that's what pays the mortgage. You know? <laughs> but I think the most fun drag is, is the soul train dancer drag, where it's, you know, it's, hi. <laughs> Hi. Yes. <laughs> so much fun. But I, you know, I don't. I don't get to do that very well. I don't get to do that at all anymore. Once I got famous, it became, um, you know, it's a job. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When you talk, you, you you're an optimist, but has it been an uphill battle to stay optimistic these days? It is. It is an up. I'm tired. I'm exhausted by it, and I'm doing my part. But um, it is exhausting being an optimist because you think, you think that people, I thought we were further along as humans on this planet. And you think, wait, what, did I just imagine that, that we were moving forward? I thought that we were further along. So it is exhausting. And um, sometimes after You know the mistake that we all made, you and me and people like that, the mistake that we made, because the truth is we are, I believe, in a regressive we, we've taken step, steps backwards. But the mistake is that we always thought that civilization evolving moved in a straight line. It does not. It does not. You move forward, then you take a couple steps backwards, then you're in the dark ages, then you come out, then you go. Yes, that's the problem. That we had a problem. greater expectation for what we as humans could be and do. I, I, and I blame John Kennedy. For that. <laughs> I blame John F. Kennedy for that. Yes, how? You know, well, you know, my, I have two older sisters who are seven years older than me. They were my world. They were mm -hmm. my goddesses. And uh, they told me when I was a kid, they said, um, Rue, the people in charge now are making it so that one day everyone on this planet will have eight pairs of shoes. <laughs> Your sister told you that. And I love that. I thought, wow, that's where we're, that's where we're going. We're moving We're going forward. into the world where everybody's going to have eight. Eight pairs of shoes, yeah. And I believed them. And I thought, okay, I'm going to be a part of this. How can I, how can I help? <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, not so true. Uh, and I, uh, wow. you see things on the, oh, you think, what? Why? What's going on? You know? Yes. It's, it's, it's crazy. Do you think young people will bring about a change? I know that you talk about mobilizing young people to make social change. What does that mobilization look like? It's, we show them through example. You know, I don't have children of my own, but I do know that uh, children learn by, they learn from their parents in ways that the parents are, don't know about. It's just watching them, watching them how they uh, sip water. Yeah. Or what they do with. Mm hmm with their garbage or how they react to nudity or some, what someone says. It's all those things. So it, it's an inside job and we all have to, we have to pitch in on, on how we behave. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's the key. We have to show them. We have to show them. What do you think the next generation needs to do to make real change, actually? 
Uh, I, I think it's all the things we talked about. I think it's first, be kind to yourself and, and remember, because we all know this, you know, uh, this is not something they have to learn, it's something they have to remember. Yes. We all know. Because that, that's what an aha moment is, is the remembering of what you already knew. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have to remind them who they really are, and they are God having a, a human spiritual experience on this planet, being human. So, and, and, and even having said that, you realize too that even the horrible things, the unspeakable things are a part of it. If you take out judgment, even the horrible things are a part of it. I don't want to be a part of those things. I want to be on the side of the lightness. But um, you know what I'm saying by mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, we have to show them. We have to remind them. What is the advice you give to, I know you're such a big mentor for um, LGBTQ kids. So what is the advice you find yourself giving to them the most often? Know thyself. Know thyself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's for everybody. Yes, for everybody. It, it's not rocket science, Oprah, you know? Yeah. The, the, the fundamental... It's so simple. It's so simple. The fundamental rules of life, the, the, the life lessons that will help you navigate are very simple. Um, we learn them in kindergarten. Be, be nice to other people. Be nice to yourself, you know? Know thyself. Know, you know, even that me understanding about my addiction to being late, just really, like Jessica Fletcher on Murder, wrote, deducing, okay, what are the elements here? You know, because I don't want to be late. Uh, I was like, ah, there it is. It's right there. Take that out, everything's changed. Yeah. I did this with a friend once. I said, you're addicted to chaos. You, 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 you love it. Mm -hmm. And you love drawing other people into it and blah, blah, blah. And once you figure that out, mm -hmm. you can begin to move forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, addi mm -hmm. I'm addicted. Did yeah. they change? Yeah, it actually did. Uh -huh. When it, it took a while, but yeah, because yeah. for a lot of people, they're not like you, like instant. Oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm addicted to being late, and you can change that. It takes a long time for the realization. Mm. I want to know what's the lesson that took you the longest to learn. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I grew up um, uh, with my father, who uh, a psychic once told me that he, that he and I had shared past lives together. And that when I appeared in this life, I was like, hey, buddy, we're here, we, here we are again. Yeah. We're going to rule the school. And he could not see me. He was shut down, shut down. And I said, oh, okay, um, well, you want joy? I can give you some joy. Oh, you want to laugh? I got it. You want to dance? Hey. Uh, you know, this whole thing. And I, for years, uh, was attracted to people who were shut down like that, and my, I felt my job was to, okay, uh, what do you need? I, I got it for you, I got it. Let me remind you who you are. Um, the hardest lesson for me to learn in this life has been to let them be, there. Uh, my father, he couldn't, he couldn't have seen me because it would have forced him, if he saw me, it would have forced him to get in touch with his feelings, which were really heavy and really painful. And I understand that now. Back then, it really hurt hurt my heart, but um, that was the hardest lesson I've learned, is that um, let those people who are shut down, um, let them be. You know, like you go to a, a puppy that's come from a, an abusive place, and you go to pet it, and it goes, <gasps> and you yeah. go, what can I do? It's like, well, you can pray, but yeah. that's about it. That's about it, you know. Let them, let them go and figure it out. It sounds harsh, mm -hmm. but, you know. What has been the most difficult choice you had to make to fulfill your destiny? 
Hmm. Well, my destiny, I don't think my destiny's really happened yet. But the choice, I'll It's in you, process. It's, it's in process. process. The, ch the, the most difficult choice I have to make uh, is, is every day, which is choosing to be engaged, choosing to not succumb to the darkness, because I have it there. It's always there in my peripheral vision. Um, and choosing to stay in kindness and in love. That's the biggest uh, decision I have to make every day, you know? But you asked me what have I had to, what sacrifice I had to make to, to yeah. get where I am today. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's been the most difficult choice you had to make to fulfill where you are today? I, I think it's, it has to do with um, uh, spending so much time alone. You know, I am married and my husband has a huge, it's a 60,000 acre ranch. So, and he and I do very well on our own, you know. Um, he spends a lot, I'll see, him, I'll see him later today, but um, we spend a lot of time alone. And uh -huh. I think to do this work, to do something really amazing, you have to spend a lot of time alone. I think that's the biggest sacrifice. I don't know how much of a sacrifice it is because um, I really don't like being around a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they get me nervous. I can fake it for a good long time of, hi, how you doing? Great. Heard any good jokes lately, you know? But I'm really, um, I'm really uh, 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 introvert masquerading as an extrovert. That is a big surprise. Mm. Really, though? To a lot of people, but uh, not to me. Yeah. Because so am I. Because mm -hmm. so am I. I mean, I, do, I, have, I think there's a name for it. I mean, I'm an introvert with extrovert qualities, mm -hmm. you know, where mm -hmm. I can be out of, but I am really most content, happiest, most at myself, alone, mm -hmm. or in front of a large audience. Yeah. The being around people, though, it does wear my battery down. I can do it. I can do it for a good long time. What do you think your true purpose on earth is? I think it first starts with me, for me to experience this life and to enjoy it. And I think if, if I enjoy it, and I could possibly share with other people how to do it how to have fun. That's one of the best answers I've heard, you know, because so many people think, uh, and I've done so many, you know, conversations, seminars where people are like, what's my purpose, what's my purpose? Uh, your purpose is, 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 is to be and to experience life, just mm -hmm. as you're saying. Mm -hmm. And then if out of that experience you choose to do something else, that's also okay. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're here on this planet because you're supposed to experience this planet in its fullness, mm -hmm. agree? Mm -hmm. And that the truest expression of yourself is what we're all actually seeking. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because again, there's only one of us here. Only one of us here. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Freckles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, I, I've spent so much time, uh, you know, putting on makeup and using my body to, as a, for a living. And so, you know, uh, initially I look at it as, part of my work, but then uh, when I look at the mirror with my heart, I still see that little boy who loved to dance. You know, that's, there's that song at Stevie Wonder from uh, uh, Hotter Than July. Um, I think it's called, um, 
like I do or something where it talks about little baby brother um, mm -hmm. used to dance and and they and, and it ends with uh, him breaking a lamp and says oh you know broke mama's lamp you know that song yes yeah. yes um, yes I'm that kid I love to dance I love to laugh those are my two favorite things to do on this planet I, I laugh a lot don't get to dance as much as I want to and when you look in that mirror you see a person who fills that fill the fill in the blank I see a person who is a seeker I see a person who is looking for uh, some joy some laughs uh, I like I like the lighter things of life I like the music and the colors and the smells and the, I like love I, I like those things and I have to I like to stay away from the dark stuff it's there but um, I tend to go to the light side. Would you say you are at one of the best places for yourself? Have you reached the best place for yourself? I think so right now. It's right now? It's a really good time. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. But yeah. It's a good place. It's a good place. And again, I'm paying attention to everything, but I am focusing on the joy. Thank you. Thank you. I loved it. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was perfect. Good, good. Perfect. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.